Proverbs 24 is where we're going to be today. Proverbs 24. So if you'd please turn in your Bibles there. Next week, we're going to start a series on the minor prophets. And so uh, we've got a bridge week here with a passage of Scripture that I hope will be an encouragement. hope it'll be convicting, uh, but I hope it'll also be an encouragement to you. I'll be reading verses 30 through 34. The wise man says, I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We pray, Lord, that you will give us instruction, that your word will cut to the quick of our hearts, show us our sin, but that, Lord, through the gospel, that you will show us your son, the redemption that he offers, the forgiveness that he offers, the new life that he offers, uh, that we will not be what we see in this passage, like the lazy man, but like the wise man who knows how to live rightly in this world that you have made. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I think every person has been in a situation, big or small, where you have thought to yourself, how did I get here? Meaning, how did things deteriorate to the point where I have gotten here in this particular place? Maybe a relationship, maybe with your finances and your credit, maybe it's with your body and your health, your house and property, and yes, maybe even in your spiritual life and your relationship with the Lord. You think to yourself, what day was it? Or maybe it was a particular conversation or a decision that you made where things began to move in this particular direction. And if you could go back to that place and that time and that thought, you would say to yourself, do not go down that path because I know where that will lead. And it leads to nothing good. The text that is in front of us will make us think over things like this, where the wise man who wrote this down had learned that he could gain wisdom from even the most basic observations in life, even the poor decisions made by other people. He says, I passed by the field of a sluggard, a lazy man. He passed by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And what he saw on that day shocked him. The field had not been worked. It had been left to itself for a long time to the point where it was overgrown with thorns and it was covered with weeds. And what had once been a nice stone wall that would keep out intruders and animals, it had been broken down and the whole place was now without protection, left to the wild with no owner, no worker in sight. And he asks himself, how did things get like this? How did this property get here? No doubt you have probably had 
a similar experience in some of the observations that you have had in life. I certainly have. In the neighborhood here around the church, you can tell that some of these homes were once very stately. They were ornate, built with character and pride, but the years have not been kind to many of them. Of their 100-year existence, maybe the first 40 years, the home maintained its original glory. The paint was kept up on the porch. The roof was in good repair. All was kept in good working order, but somewhere along the way, something changed. Maybe it was a change in ownership. Certain decisions had to be made about resources. Resources were scarce. We've got to do this and not this. So the house started to deteriorate. Maybe it was an unkempt tenant or just an aged person now owned it who had different priorities. Things began to go downhill for that house. And now here, a hundred years or so later, you pass by it, And you think to yourself, how did it get like this? The roof has multiple patches. The gutters are hanging off, maybe now with the snow buckling them out. No landscaping's in the yard, just weeds. The windows are made of plastic covering instead of glass. The paint's peeling off the siding, or maybe it's completely gone. What happened here? Here's where the wisdom of the writer takes hold. He doesn't just have the passing thought, what happened, and then move on with his life. He seeks to learn from what he sees. And it's to our benefit that he did. Verse 32 says, Then I saw and considered it. He thought on it. He contemplated on it. He wanted to gain instruction from what he was seeing. And it says, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. He was able to identify the problem with that property, that vineyard, that field. And the problem was with the tenant who lived there. There was a day probably a lot like the other days that had gone before it. There was work to do. There was labor to be done to bring forth good out of the earth. And on this particular day, the man in the house made the decision, not today. I'm tired. Today will be a good day to rest. And to our ears in a modern economy, you might think, well, that sounds reasonable enough. Good for him. A mental health day. But this man lived in a time where your food was produced hand to mouth. The government doesn't do back then what it does today. Everybody had to work. Six days you shall work, said the Lord, and then you shall rest. And God set that pattern for mankind, and we follow today in that ethic, or at least we are supposed to follow in that ethic. But there is a great temptation in mankind toward a particular sin called laziness. Here, he's named the sluggard. Anybody want to be called a sluggard? 
Doesn't sound very attractive, does it? In other places, it's called the slothful. But we just know it as laziness. And the wise man here, he takes particular note of this sin and he sees the effects that it has. The tenant of the house had decided one day that a little rest, a little folding of the hands was okay. But then what happened? Those days began to stack on top of one another until a new pattern of living had taken hold. And now quite possibly many years later, the result is that this vineyard is all run down. The fence has been torn apart. It's falling apart. It's grown over and all sorts of things can now invade into this property and do what they wish. And before I go any further, I've got a question for you to consider. How lazy do you consider yourself to be? And so if you could rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being the least lazy, I appreciate that, Russ. I'm going to call you out since you stuck your hand up. To the 10 being the most lazy, nobody's putting their hand up for that one. Whereabouts would you consider yourself to be? My hope is that if you consider yourself a one, that God's word and the preaching of his word might move you slightly down the line. I want you to consider yourself this morning asking the question, am I really, am I lazy? Am I slothful? Do I bear any resemblance to the sluggard that is here in this passage of scripture? Because I doubt that anybody here would voluntarily call yourself lazy. Definitely wouldn't call yourself a sluggard. But could there be more of the sluggard inside you than you would like to admit? I hope this message this morning will challenge you to examine your ways, examine your thoughts for this seemingly small. Because we might laugh at the thought of being lazy, right? Laugh a bit. Seemingly small, it's too easily excused sin, but it has drastic consequences when it takes root inside of your life. And as any wise person contemplates the observations here in this scripture passage, he will know that guarding himself against laziness must be a priority. And that is for the youngest people who are here as you begin to set uh, habits in your life, ways in your life, foundations for your life, and even those who are the oldest among us, I hope that you will examine your ways and begin to rectify any laziness that you see. So I've got several ways that I will ask you to guard yourself against laziness this morning, and the first will be to guard yourself against physical laziness. And is that not the way that we often think about being lazy? about just not getting off the couch, kind of like this man here in the passage has apparently done. A little folding of the hands, a little bit of sleep, a little laying down on my couch, closing my eyes, and just taking a little nap. That's what we think about. And maybe you've learned something about that over the last week as you've been snowed inside of your house and watched the snowfall slowly come down and think to yourself, I'll get out there tomorrow. And then it's tomorrow, and then it's tomorrow, and then you've got four feet. And I hear West Seneca, maybe six feet on the ground. 
And eventually it seems so overwhelming to you that you don't get out there at all and you just hope your neighbors show up and shovel it for you. Nobody raised your hand, but I bet there are folks here who were hoping that. And hopefully you received it. Derek Kidner, writer of many Old Testament commentaries, he says this about the way of the sluggard. He says, the wise man knows that the sluggard is no freak, but as often as not, an ordinary man who has made too many excuses, too many refusals, and too many postponements. It has all been as imperceptible and as pleasant as falling asleep. Freaks stand out. They're easily identified for being so unusual. They're different. But Kidner says, not so with the sluggard. This man is ordinary. And he's all around us. And he might just be us because of his often excuses, refusals, and postponements. It looks ordinary. Hard to see. But over time, all of those excuses begin to stack up. Scott Hubbard writes, an ordinary man becomes a sluggard one small surrender at a time. And so this particular sin is almost unnoticeable, but over time when all those surrenders are piled together, it has a great effect. And again, maybe you saw some of that this week. The snow does, it looks so pretty as it's coming down and those big old fluffy things, right? But over time, it really adds up. And so does our laziness. Has anybody ever gone to Niagara Falls before? How many of you all have actually never been to Niagara Falls? Anybody here? A few. Yeah. It's strange. Uh, I grew up in Nashville. And when people around Nashville, you know, and they've got lots of attractions down there. And so when people would come to visit, we got married you know, um, close to Nashville, and people came down to visit, and they wanted to go to the Grand Ole Opry. And I was like, I've never been to the Grand Ole Opry. But everybody who visits goes to the Grand Ole Opry. And so what I've realized is, is that people would come and visit us. They all want to go and see Niagara Falls, and it's just kind of like, eh, when you live here, it's not like, Ugh. you know, you don't really go. You know, but the people who come to visit, they go. But I'm assuming that most people here have been to Niagara Falls at some point or another. And for those who have... As you have watched the water spill over the edge, surely you have watched the, Niagara Falls, the, the rocks behind it erode, right? Have you seen it with your own eyes? Have you watched it pull back ever so slightly if you watch really close? Well, of course not, but it happens. Up until recent decades, the falls actually moved about three feet a year. Moves about a foot a year now because they have supported the rocks and stuff back behind it a lot better. But what it means is, is that when those first European explorers came here, they would have seen the water spilling over the edge, maybe even a quarter of a mile further back. But they could have moved at least that far. Of course, nobody saw that happen in a day, but over a year, it's measurable. So it is with laziness. It happens one dish at a time in the sink, does it not? One day off from work, one week missed doing the yard work, 
one time skipping school or your homework. It all starts with one time, one excuse. But the wise man in this passage, he did not see the sluggard's property deteriorate in just one day. He knew that this sin worked slowly over time, one small surrender at a time, until laziness had become the completely new normal for this man. The changes are only measurable over a period of time. And so maybe you can look back in some way in your mind's eye to 10 years ago. And think about where things used to be in a particular compartment of your life. Could you think to yourself, how did things get to where they are right now? And could it be that this seemingly small sin of laziness is how things got to where they are today? And so have you allowed a new slothful pattern to develop in your life in recent months recent years, maybe slowly surrendering to the flesh in some way or another where just one time, one time where you sat it out or did not do that particular thing, it wasn't a very big deal. But now after the accrual of hundreds of times, sloth has set in. And maybe work has become a foreign idea to you now. Maybe excuses have been made either by you or for you. Somebody told you along the way that you deserve this or you can no longer do that anymore. And the path of least resistance was opened for you and you've been walking on that path ever since. And because so many other people are doing it, it just seems normal or okay. When in the plan of God, normal is work. It was good for the body. It's good for the soul. God works, and so do his people. And if you don't, the wise man says here, poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Meaning, That enough of this lazy habit, when it's ingrained into you, there will come a time when you can no longer resist its power. It has you right where it wants you, on the couch. With no will, desire, strength to even get up anymore. There's nothing left in you. It just becomes the way that you are. And you'll begin to depend on somebody else for what you need, rather than working for it yourself. But maybe you're not convinced. You insist that on the scale of one to 10, that you are the one. Oh no, no, just to be humble, a two. That's where I'm at. And maybe what I've said so far doesn't quite fit you, but let me give you a few more examples of sloth and sluggardliness, ways that this little worm wriggles itself into our habits and over time eats away our want to have any productivity in our lives. Guard yourself against lazy habits. Lazy habits, things that don't seem like a very big deal at all when they happen. Things that you just do, and maybe you don't even really notice 
anymore. Often that's what habits are. So laziness can be prioritizing what you want to do over what needs to be done. Is it going to be a clothes shopping day or laundry day? Which sounds more fun. Actually, to some of you all, it might be laundry day. If you're kind of like <laughs> clothes shopping, it sounds dreadful. But to some of you all, it sounds wonderful. TV or clean the bathroom. And over time, you know, your bathroom, the trash is spilling out on the floor. The shower, you don't even want to look in there. And, oh, definitely not the toilet. But TV sounds pretty good today. Home repairs or football game? I've got a few jerseys that are here today. I know what you're going to pick. Pay your bills or go to the casino. Some of you all may think that just sounds crazy, but some of you all might not. You're just the guy or the gal that's too busy having fun to be a grown-up. So you'd like to make the choices on what seems most fun or what's most exciting to you. All that other stuff sounds awful. Duty, responsibility, work, cleaning. I'm not going to have any of that. But these are all forms of lazy foolishness, and there will be a heavier bill to pay down the road if you don't pay it now or if you don't do it now. What about procrastination? Any of you all procrastinators? It's got a fancy word. I just procrastinate. You won't just say, I'm lazy. But that's exactly what it is. So are shortcuts. So are diversions. The temptation for diversion, rabbit trails, wasting time are as close as your pocket right now or your purse. I mean, it's just crazy that everybody is glued to this thing. It's like the whole world revolves around what's inside of this little box that we hold in our hands. There's so much diversion that is there. And so I would ask you to ask yourself, how many hours a week do you spend watching TikTok videos or YouTube videos? And maybe that's not your particular thing. Maybe it's tending to your heyday farm, right? As much work as that might be. Or maybe heyday's way too far in the past. I don't even know what games people play today. But how often do you spend looking at the screen on your phone? And maybe you do that instead of making time for all the other things that actually need to be done. But it's just so much easier to sit there in my warm, cozy place and stare at my phone. You need to understand that laziness will grind your life down into stagnation and a list of excuses. That's what it'll do. Because there's always a good excuse to give. But this is the path of the fool. And as the wise man tells us, there is always a destructive end down there down the road somewhere waiting for us, and you think that you're never going to have to pay it, but you will. It'll just happen one small surrender at a time. And in the moment, it seems harmless, 
But over time, a great erosion has taken place where something in your life has fallen completely apart into a state of disrepair. It was just a little sleep. It was just a little folding of the hands. And it was once so little. But sin is never content to stay little. It won't stay that way. It's willing to wait It's willing to do the long work of erosion. So pay attention to the little habits that contribute to your laziness and do not make excuses for them. I know that there's always something more exciting to do than the work that you need to do, but the wise man or woman will do the work to get it done and will notice, and will notice when you're prone to wasting time rather than to make good use of it. Hopefully, you've moved at this point from at least your one to a two or a three. And you begin to see a little bit of the laziness that is in your own life. I'll ask you to examine a particular component of your life and see if the appropriate level has been put into it. Because maybe you aren't physically lazy. And I know many of you all here aren't. You are hard workers. I've seen it. You don't mind getting out there when it's hot or when it's cold and doing things that need to be done because they need to be done. There's a kind of joy that you have in that in completing things. So maybe you aren't physically lazy. But could it be that you are relationally lazy? So guard yourself against relational laziness. And if you're married, what would you say is the health of the relationship that you have with your spouse? Could you say this morning that you put in the appropriate work, because it is work, is it not? The appropriate work that is necessary to have a healthy marriage. And maybe you say to yourself, well, we watch TV together every night, and we don't really ever argue, but is that really health? I might argue that it's the opposite. Men, speak straight to you. How often do you intentionally contribute to the spiritual growth of your wife? Maybe you're sitting right next to her. Maybe you should ask. If your wife were a garden, or maybe this vineyard that the wise man walked by, would she be fruitful? Would she bear fruit because of the work that you have put in with her? I'm talking spiritual fruit. Because brothers, we will tend toward laziness here and just hope that coming to church is enough. And I will tell you that it is not. Wives, how often do you encourage your husband to lead you? And lead your family in eternal things and help him to do that. 
Woman was given to man as a helpmate, and certainly in this primary work, she has to be his helper. Not just his, um, not just a complainer toward him for what he does not do, but his helper to do this primary work. It's easier to just not do these things, is it not? Just to leave them alone, just to set them aside, and again, flick on what used to be called the little blue light and stare at it for the rest of the night together and think that we are actually spending time with each other. But really, we're just wasting time with each other. So how hard are you working in this particular relationship? What about other relationships? Are there any that you think to yourself, how did it get this way? Now, there used to be valued relationships that you had. Your parents, maybe your children, Maybe you're just old friends that you used to have. And now you look at your Facebook page and it's a reminder, at least in some cases with some of those people on there, of certain important relationships that you have let slide over time. You didn't invest in them. You didn't work at them. And so all like this vineyard, eventually they fell apart and they didn't bear fruit anymore. Relationships aren't the only place, are they, where we could be able to examine and look at and see if laziness has settled in in some way or another. I think our finances will give us telltale signs of laziness, will they not? So will our health. There was one day where we just said, not today. And there have been many not todays ever since then. Small sins of foolishness and sloth, but over time they have had great effects before I finish with the most important area to guard against, which I'm sure you can understand will be spiritual laziness, our relationship with the Lord. But before I get there, I want to give a word to those who are currently diligent, because some of you all in this room actually are. You're diligent. You're paying attention. You're watching out for this particular sin. Or maybe you're just very young and you're starting out. You need to have a word of encouragement given to you. Maybe you're early in marriage or early in your parenting, just starting out on your own. Do not allow this little worm to wriggle in to your life. It wants to. If you're currently in school right now, develop a good ethic of work because you're going to be given opportunity by people to make excuses along the way and they will tell you that it's okay. It is not it is not. The world loves laziness, loves to be entertained, loves to be comfortable on the couch, but don't let that happen to you. And no, I don't think that all of your homework, if you're young, is especially important. There are lots of things that you are going to learn that you will never use again. But what I will tell you is, is that the work that you put in along the way does matter. The habits of work that you establish in doing the things that you don't want to do matter right now because they will carry forward in everything that you do in life. Or eventually you will become the person that only does the things that you want to do and nobody can depend on. 
And it's because laziness will settle in. And so if you are in that space right now of life of just starting something, a new beginning, a new season, do not let laziness have its hold on you and do not listen to those people who tell you that it's okay. There's so many of them out there because they want to be comfortable in their laziness too and the hardworking make them uncomfortable. Because the wise man right here, he tells us what will happen to those who are lazy. Poverty will come upon you like a robber. Poverty in some way or another. It does not necessarily mean financially, but there will be a poverty in some area of your life, in relationships, whatever. Something will happen where you will be completely depleted without the will to go on and you do not know what to do. You're powerless because it has sapped you of your energy like pests do, like worms or insects do to healthy trees. They slowly eat them away over time and eventually you wonder to yourself, how did this thing look so brown and dead? One day, one bite at a time. And that's what happens to us. So lastly, There is no more area that's more important to guard yourself against than spiritual laziness. Guard yourself against it. The sin of sloth is not content to stay only in the realm of the physical or only in your earthly relationships. It will spread like a cancer into the spiritual. And so I'll ask you again, on a scale of one to 10, how lazy do you think you are in your relationship with the Lord? Because I hope already that wherever you were when we began can be reassessed more realistically. And brother Russ, you were a bold man to raise your hand and say you were a one. And I hope that is the case. But if I were to ask you about the current state of your soul, the vibrancy of your life for Christ, your prayer life, your willingness to obey what you see in God's word, your willingness to ask forgiveness for your sin and to admit your sin, not just in a general way, because I know that everybody in this room, if you are a Christian this morning, will say that you are a sinner. You will admit it right to everybody's face. But if I were to ask you, tell me one sin that you know that you commit often where you are continually tempted towards sin and you might often give into it. What about that sin? Do you ask forgiveness for that one? Are you as understanding of where your soul is Do you have eyes to see it closely enough where you are not just content to say that you are a general sinner, but that you know exactly where you sin? And you do ask forgiveness of that sin. You do seek to repent of that sin. Do you know your soul that well? Because if you do not, I will tell you right here that you are spiritually lazy. You must know your soul that well. Your sin does, 
And it is constantly seeking the path of least resistance to conquer your will. And if you don't know where that's at, it may be that that has already happened. And so if you could objectively assess the condition of your soul, could you escape the name sluggard? If the vineyard that that wise man walked by was your soul, what would he see? He's walking by the state of your soul one day on a stroll. He looks over. What would he see there? Would he see fruitful vines of repentance growing there? Would he see Christ wrought humility? Would he see a garden of love blossoming in springtime? Would he see a little patch of faithful service and prayer behind the shed that nobody can see but the Lord? Is your field of hope and trust coming along nicely, even though they don't get any shade from the hot sun of the day? Are they still growing fine there? And would he see you out working in that field, waving at him as he walked by, completing the picture of a man or a woman willing to work what the Lord has given to you and not content to sit on the couch and say to yourself, a little folding of the hands, a little sleep, a little slumber, just today. Is that what he would see? Because if those words of laziness are what you have been modeling in your relationship to the Lord, I think this word today would call you to repentance. That's what a faithful Christian knows that he or she can do. It is a joy for God's word to point out our sins to us and understand that the grace of God is there for us in Jesus Christ. I hope that you have a particular delight at seeing your sins poked at. It hurts. But seeing them poked at in God's word and understanding that provision has already been made for those sins through the blood of the perfect and spotless lamb who himself was no lazy man. That he has already done all of the work that is needed for you to find forgiveness in him. And the work that he has done and the grace that he provides gives us all the resources and energy to get out there today and work against our sin. And in particular, the sin that we see here today, the sin of laziness. The cross, we understand, is for great sins, is it not? The murderer can find forgiveness there. And so can the adulterer, the fornicator, or the thief. So we understand that great payment was made by Christ for great sins, but that payment was also made for seemingly small sins like laziness that over time can destroy so much. So this morning I would ask you to bring your sin to Jesus. 
And whatever laziness that you do have, whether it's a one or whether it's a 10, ask your great king for mercy and grace, for help in a time of need, and he delights to give it to you, however lazy you are and however lazy I am. And he will restore us to a place of wisdom and work and rescue us from our ways, the destruction that comes upon the sluggard. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for your goodness toward us, a people who can be at times so lazy. And maybe we don't even know it. It just settles in like a haze or a fog until we can no longer see it anymore. It just becomes normal to us. And here your word pokes at us and will not let us stay stagnant, will not let us ignore even these seemingly small sins. We know that it often calls out to us against great sins that we can say, well, I'm not any of those things. But today we look in your word and we see this one and maybe we can identify with it all too well. I pray God that your people will trust in Jesus Christ today and repent of this sin, find cleansing and help and grace in our time of need. Please, Lord, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way inside of our hearts to make us a working people, a people who do good works, serve one another help one another in times of need. And maybe many times this week, people in this room have been given opportunities to do that in a very real and practical way. Thank you, God, that in those moments that laziness did not take control, but that you prodded us to love our neighbor. And that will make us workers. So please bless this word today. Please bless our time of remaining moments of worship, the meeting that we have here in just a few minutes. Thank you, Lord, for the baptisms that we witnessed this morning, testimonies of your grace and your goodness. Have your way inside every heart that is in this room today, and we ask it in the strong, gracious, hardworking name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.